This is episode number 138 of Patrick Jones Baseball, and in this episode we have Alan Jager. Um, This is going to be a two-part series. With the first part, um, with Alan, we're going to be talking about hitting and the mental sides of hitting specifically. Um, Alan is a expert in meditation and yoga and you know has, has worked with over 200 professional baseball players in his career and really truly understands um, the mental side of the game about as well as anyone I know. And I think this is going to help a ton of different coaches and players out there um, who are struggling, who, who do, do doubt themselves um, on too many occasions, and he gives some really good tips. So this is going to be very, very helpful. Um, I would like to remind everyone my high school coaches course is coming out next week. Um, so if you haven't already, make sure to head on over to patrickjonesbaseball.com and just sign up for my email list. I don't send out tons and tons of emails, so you'll just get an email um, when I do release the course next week, and so you'll be notified then. So head on over, head on over to my website, patrickjonesbaseball.com, and type in your email list. Um, I'm really, really excited. I think it's going to help out a ton of coaches out there who have the time and space constraint um, because I've been there as a high school coach. Um, and it's going to be you're going to be able to individualize your high school program and be able to teach the hitters um, and pitchers and understand um, how to do it better because you're going to know how specifically to coach them based off of how they move, how they're physically built, because, you know, everyone's a little bit different. And so I'm going to show you how to also use blast motion, what some of those metrics mean, um, rap soto pitching as well. And I think it's going to be a really big help. So I really do recommend um, making sure to subscribe to my email list so when it is out, um, you are notified. So without further ado, here is Alan Jagger. All right, um, Alan, I know we, we talked um, a little bit uh, yesterday, actually, about, uh, you know, really getting into hitting and, and digging deep into that. And you have, you know, 29 years of experience uh, of doing this. It's not talked about very much in, in the hitting world because mechanics is the, is the cool thing. And I'm probably just as guilty as just focusing on mechanics as a lot of other people are. But, you know, you're kind of... Um, you know, the guy who has, you know, like I said, 29 years of experience um, working with um, and, and dealing with this from a hitting side. Um, take us through kind of what you like to do and like how how like your information could help hitters out there. Yeah, I would just say that um, I fell in love with the mental game at a very early age. So I was always looking for different angles uh as much as i you know not that i love talking mechanics but you know there was a time and a place for for mechanics and i felt like i had a a decent idea of you know helping guys with adjustments whether it was pitching or hitting not so much hitting but just some general rules of thumbs but i always defaulted to the mental game because i felt like whatever guy's mechanics looks like if his mind is clear and he's relaxed and he's a good hitter, he's going to be on time. He's going to sync up. And I say the same thing for pitching. You know, I rarely talk mechanics with pitchers because if they are clear, relaxed, have a focal point and are attacking, um, <laughs> they're going to sync. They're going to be on time. They're going to be athletic. Um, their higher intelligence of their body is going to take over. So with that said, um, yeah, when I work with hitters, I really come back to stuff we've already talked you know, about, but it, it's it's just – very blunt in a way it's like look 
you got to get a meditation practice going for 50 beneficial skills that help you in the batter's box, not to mention life. <laughs> um, and then um, the process, you know, get them to a point where they know they're A, B, and C. You know, like I earlier I mentioned, take a deep breath, have, you know, see the ball well, hit it hard somewhere. I want them to know what their process is, and I want them to be very, very black and white about it. And so one of the things I did starting around 1990 with, I mentioned Jim Vatcher and Mike Lieberthal, and eventually it grew to the other hitters that were in the camp, um, is I started coming up with these drills. We actually had a station. We had like a T soft toss station. Uh, we had live BP, of course. And then we had another station um, down in the bullpen area where we just worked only on mental drills with, uh, with no balls. Well, we did throw some balls, but there was no swinging. And um, we crushed those drills, and I just sort of made them up, and the guys loved them. And I ended up writing an article in Collegiate Baseball about the drills called Batter's Box Management. And, you know, they, they, they just, to me, they're just powerful. I mean, what can I say? I love these drills. I think the effect on, on the hitters have just been pretty powerful because they – you can only do so much physically, and at some point it comes down to, okay, your, your, your mechanics are pretty much in place. What can we do now to see the ball really well, have great pitch selection, have great discipline, um, be relaxed so we can see the ball later, longer, better, all that good stuff. And so I just came up with these drills that I love, and, um, um, and they really were sort of in bed for the last 20 years or so until I was up at Oregon State about three years ago. And one of the hitters ironically asked me a question, as I told you the other day. Um, he was struggling with a pitch that was sort of that on the black strike three with, you know, with two strikes. He was really having a hard time identifying whether it was a strike or a ball, swinging at the pitch that was a ball, taking the pitch that was a strike. And so I pulled these drills out and I started talking to him about it. And one thing led to another. And then I started talking to one of the hitting coaches there. And all of a sudden um, they started doing these drills um, he started doing these drills with the hitters and these drills are, I mean, it's just cool because um, it, it was like kind of reawakening these drills. And, um, and then, you know, I think that really helped the Oregon state hitters out a lot and, and they did really well. I mean, they had a very talented team of course, but they, they won a national championship. They finished whatever in fourth the year before. Um, and so, yeah, so I just feel, and, I, and I mentioned to you, um, I go back to maybe 2001 with Jay Johnson at University of San Diego, who's now at Arizona. And I think Jay is one of the, the best hitting guys out there. And, um, you know, he's, he and I have talked more mental side of hitting, of course. So, um, yeah, what can I say? I just, I just feel like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what sports you're in or what walk of life it is. The, the game is going to be 90% mental or more. Hitting's 90% mental or more. Well, pitching's 90% mental or more. Shortstop's 90% mental or more. So are you going to start doing drills and activities to help practice and develop that part of your game? And I, like you were saying, you have a, there's different drills you have where – you know, you're, you know, it's a situational kind of training where you're calling out, you know, different scenarios, right? And the hitter has to perform um, whatever the scenario is to uh, get the job done. Um, and others, and there's other drills as well. Like, what is it? Do you have a favorite drill? 
Well, I think they all build on top of each other, but the first drill is probably the most vital one because the first drill is what really helps them <clears throat> identify you know, how they want to be in the batter's box and then really work on that. So if they want to be clear and relaxed and feel their feet grounded in the dirt, um, we really work on that drill with like a zero to a hundred scale and, and they start, you know, they start evaluating themselves based on pitches that we throw them when they cross the plate. And they get real-time feedback as to whether they're 100 or an 80 or a 40. And they have a chance to start really working on improving, in this case, let's say that 0 to 100. They have a chance to start realizing what it means to be 100. Number one, they have to identify what their 100 is. If they don't even know it, they don't know if they're relaxed or stressed, maybe. They don't know either way. This drill gives them a chance to really understand what it means to be 100 because 100 is their definition of it. And now we're just working on mastering it. So that first drill of getting zero to 100, um, I just think no matter what you do in life, I think it starts with being clear and, and, and quiet. So if you, if you kind of get those two things rolling, I, I think everything sort of stacks on top of that. So these drills, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's really about getting clear and quiet and relaxed and and feeling that not only in your mind, but in your hands and in your bodies and in your calves and in your thighs and in your feet. Because until you understand what it feels like to see a ball cross home plate and be 100 and know you're 100, it's just it's just hard to know wh what your mind and body is doing when you're in a game. Look, one thing I always ask hitters is how many times have you taken a, a ball? Have you watched a baseball thrown to you with a bat in your hands when everybody loves to hit? Right. We're used to swinging right. a bat when it's in our hands and someone throws us a ball. I'm not saying guys don't track balls and work on that. And that's great. I'm actually talking more about when's when's the last time a hitter said you said to a hitter, hey, did you go in the batter's box today and track a pitch? And then notice when across home plate, what was your body doing? What were your feet doing? What were your calves doing? What was your brain doing? And I would bet that you might ask a thousand kids today. And I'd be shocked if more than one, if one, would say, yeah, I've done that before. Maybe maybe nowadays more than 20 years ago or 25 years ago when I first started doing these drills. But um, I don't know, man. I just – I think if I asked every single Dodgers hitter, uh, have they ever done that drill before, I, I don't know if any of them would say they have. Now, we can argue, well, maybe they wouldn't be much better. We can also argue that maybe they would. <laughs> or maybe there's a lot of guys right now in double A and triple A or single A that you've never heard of, not because they don't have the talent to hit the big leagues, but because they don't know how to get to a hundred state of mind, whatever that hundred is for them. They're not, first of all, they don't know what a hundred is. Secondly, if they knew what it was, how good are they at it? And that's what these drills do. Um, have you seen if, would it help some people to like write down kind of what it, what they're kind of best state is well i well i do in fact i have them write a short story on what on what their best state of mind is yeah i like that that i mean it and it makes sense just because like you're you're kind of saying it that, i mean of how mental hitting is and how just hard it is in general what I, I'm sure what happens with some people is maybe they go in with some sort of mental plan and then since baseball is a game of failure, um, you know, they'll swing and miss at a pitch that they should have hit or, 
you know, they'll strike out their first at bat and then it's, well, here we go again. And then it's all, all they, they just kind of throw away um, their game plan, their mental game plan because of a couple at bats. Well, look, that's going to go back to, it's a great point because as you said, um, hitting is three out of 10 and you're a hall of famer. So um, it's going to go back to the process, right? If you don't have a process in place, the mind is a lot of practice going into drama right yeah why did i you know i need to get a hit my next at bat or or am i gonna am i gonna lose playing time or there was a scout in the stands so um this goes back to old programming right the mind i think we talked the other, on the phone the other day about how the mind on average has the average human being i think has maybe seventy-five thousand thoughts a day so the mind is going to tend to go into thinking after something let's say bad happens they strike out or they get out so yeah what what's the mind going to tend to do worry about it think about it right now you're starting to get into the, the past the future so the, the process there's no thinking right it's bruce lee 10 through your black belt it's breathe see the ball well hit it hard so let's say you had a bad at bat let's say you got wrong on a pitch it's over Bruce Lee, to 10th degree black belt, does not care about what just happened. It doesn't matter. The next moment is what matters, right? Right. So this is why establishing your process, writing it down, and knowing it like the back of your hand is essential. Because you don't want any more deviation. Because the average human being, based on history, based on drama, if something bad happens, they're going to tend to focus on that, right? And as you mentioned, you're going to get out at the major league level seven out of ten times. Maybe at high school it might be six or five. But the bottom line is, you know, we have to deal with a lot of failure. Right? We have to deal with a lot of, quote-unquote, adversity. And that, to me, is why hitting is so paramount to this idea of, are you aware to know the difference between what happens when you have a bad at bat or or you're over two? Look, it doesn't even have to be a bad at bat. You might be over three going into your last at bat with a game winning run on second base, right? That that's a lot of stress versus the guy that doesn't know he's over three and doesn't know there's a runner on second. All he knows is he has to be great at breathing, seeing the ball well, and hitting it hard somewhere. So it's a completely opposite mentality. And what I'm saying is the average athlete out there, any sport, their mind is going to tend to default more to the circumstances and the distractions and the consequences versus breathe, see the ball well, and hit it hard somewhere. Just because, A, old programming, B, they may not have ever identified what their process is, and C, it's just – it's just practice. It's, it's what they've done. Is finding your process a little bit of a trial and error? It is. But I have found athletes figure it out pretty fast, like sometimes in 30 seconds. Oh, really? Yeah, because, if, well, I'll do it with you. If I said to you, what three things do you need to do before you get in the box? So you're not thinking about this in the box. If I said when you're in the box, three things happen and your mind never deviated from those three things for 50 straight pitches in the batter's box. And it could be a mechanical cue, too. It doesn't have to just be like, I feel relaxed. 
are there three things or two things or one thing you would say, well, Alan, if I just do A and B and A or A, B and C, I, I'm going to have the best. I may line out. I'm going to have the best at bat of my life. So does anything jump out at you that are two or three things? Yeah, for me, I mean, the first thing would be, honestly, uh, think swing down. Okay, good. Stay in my back heel. Perfect. And stay through the baseball. Bingo. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. This is exactly how I work with athletes. Ready? Yep. If I said to you, you wrote those three things down. If I said that your brain, like an old school broken record, was just kept defaulting to those three things, probably to the point, ideally, where... It's like you got on your bike. Now you're riding your bike. You don't even have to think about pedaling. You don't have to think about those three things. But let's just say that if your mind did think about three things, those are the only three things it thought about for three straight hours in a, in, in a let's say, 30 straight pitches in, in, in a batter's box. How well do you think you would do on those 30 pitches? Remember, you're I do really well, and I think I, it would help me for the pitches beyond that because – seems like what you're saying is the mental game is no different than like lifting weights. Like the more times you lift weights, the stronger you're going to get. Hence, one of my favorite lines, you become what you practice. And my, mm. by the way, my answer to you, my question to you is if you just did those three things over and over for 30 straight pitches and nothing else entered your, you, you, you did not leave those three things. I would claim that you will have the 30 best approaches and, and outcomes in your life now, forever. Forever. Yeah, I agree with that. that. Right. Well, and so now you've just come to the most simplest fundamental conclusion of why the mental game is not taught enough and why the mental game is profoundly impactful on changing someone's career overnight. Because if you can take those three things now and apply that to yourself, where, where your mind in a game today might go into 5,000 thoughts about other things, and now you know because you've identified it so you're aware, and now you can make a quick adjustment, especially the more you practice this. And now you're like, oh, wait, I just have to – I'm sorry, I know one of, the, one of them was back heel and, and, and swing through the ball. The first one was loading your hip maybe? Uh, think swing down. Okay. If, so now that you know, think swing down, load in your back heel, swing through the ball. Now, now you know that those are your three pieces to the puzzle. You're saying are the key to the best at bat of your life. So I don't need to say anything more to you. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to think about anything more. Now you have to be Bruce Lee, tenth degree black belt. Like you have to be great at those three things. And now let me ask you another question. This is, this is a little scary asking a hitting guy this question, but I'm sorry. I got to ask it to you, okay? <laughs> Do your, if you are doing those three things unconsciously, they're just firing one after the other for eight straight minutes during those 30 pitches. Unconsciously, just over and over and over like riding a bike. There's, there's no thoughts going on in your mind anymore because you're just defaulting to those three things. Do your mechanics matter anymore? Do you need to no. – let me, let me say it a different way. That wasn't a fair question. Do you need to think about your mechanics? No, I think my mechanics are going to be better because I'm only thinking about those three things. So now you can see why, as a hitting guy, I would suggest, and this is anybody listening to this, or a pitching guy, or a golf coach, <laughs> you've got to get the mind 
and the body to a point where it appreciates this default and is seeking this default and wants to live in this default because this is what you're saying is the key to the best at bad of your life. Why would you want to leave it? Yeah, I like that. I really do. And I really like that so much because it's it's so simple. Like it's just it's just three things. That's it. I've done this with pitchers. It's a little easier or a lot easier in some ways because the ball's in their hand. But you talk about a relief for them to only think about breathe, have a focal point, and attack it. Nothing else. They don't. Doesn't matter what country they're in anymore. I could have told them they gave two home runs in a row or they struck two guys out in a row. It's irrelevant. All that matters on the next pitch because they have proven it to themselves, not to me. It's I didn't tell them to do it. They told they told me, Alan, my greatest pitch possible based on what I feel on my intrinsic meaning on what makes me feel like I'm executing the right plan is to do these three things. That's it, man. Now we got to be great at that. No, I'm definitely going to steal. I mean, I, I just, I already have different ideas going through my mind and I, especially it's going to help me working with hitters simplify. And I, like the examples I gave, they're just for me, like, like you mentioned earlier, for someone else, it could be, they may need that deep breath. They need to maybe feel their body nice and loose. Maybe someone else, their backhand needs to be a little bit tighter. So it's, it's just going to be different for each person, but I definitely can see where you're able to identify just like I was like just those couple key things that I know I need to do. And if I just focus on those, I don't have to worry about, you know, everything else going on. That's goes back in a way to TM because what I'm really Mm -hmm. doing is I'm giving people a mantra and I'm saying, this is your mantra. And this is your mantra that you've agreed gives you the best chance possible to execute your plan. So if we now know that, which is very, this is step one. Most people have not done this part, by the way, which is sort of ironic because they're doing all this physical practice and training and preparation, all this analytical stuff, all this data stuff. It's the car before the horse. You got to first get the mind quiet, relaxed, and present and aware and identified of what the process is like that's number one that there's not there's almost not a close second of me believe it or not you got to get number one down you got to first identify the process write it down get to know it like the back of your hand the meditation piece is giving other benefits like just helping you to be clearer quieter deal with extraneous thoughts that might be pulling you into old programming or pulling you into drama it also helps you get more discipline in the mind so that you can hopefully get strong, more strongly committed to your process. So they're two sides of the same coin. They go together, the, the meditation and the process. But man, if I'm running an organization or I'm running a, a college team or a high school team, and I've done this with teams, by the way, the first thing I tell them to do, whether it's the pitching guy or the hitting guy, get your players to write down the three things that lead to the best pitch or the best at bat of their life. And and you can argue that really with the hitter, even the best at bat is almost too, too big. It's the, it's the best preparation to execute your plan on this pitch. Now that's number one. I'm telling you 
in 29 years of, of being in this game, well, I've been in this game a lot longer than that, 29 years on the teaching side, there is not a close, listen to this statement. Some people may not like this, especially coaches that teach a lot of mechanics. There is not a clip. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about eight, nine-year-olds that you really got to get their mechanics sorted out. But let's just say at least middle high school-ish age to college, definitely college into professional baseball. There is not a close second. Until athletes understand what their process is and are clear about that. And you said something earlier that was very important. Once you establish your process, not only do you know how important it is to stick with it, but you know quickly now if you leave it. And I think an example of this, I don't know if you saw this um, the other night when I believe it was Soto of the Nationals was facing Josh uh, Hader, um, and he hit that game-winning hit. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, so – it, guys, I'm sure I'm sure you're aware. You know he was 0 for three with two strikeouts going into that at bat. He's facing Josh Hader, who is the, I mean, I would say the the nastiest uh, left-handed uh, relief pitcher in all of baseball. And he's got you know 40,000 people at a home game, you know, cheering him on, like wanting him to get the hit. Their season's on the line. And someone uh, uh, took a video of a tweet and slow motioned it, and he takes a pitch and gets out of the box. You could see this big smile on his face, and like you, could, some people may say he was kind of taunting Hater or whatnot. But to me, like I thought, I was like, wow, like this this guy is twenty years old. He's zero for three with two strikeouts, facing the top reliever, left-handed pitcher. Game, season's on the line right here, and. There is no fear at all in him. There, there's no fear. There's no worried about the outcome. Like that guy is currently just. That's how you want to be every at bat. Exactly. No, and, and the thing I would also add to that is that I I didn't notice that part. I just saw the at bat, but you picked up on a very important thing, which is the fact that he smiled in a way he's in a comfort zone with himself, meaning even if he doesn't, hasn't identified his process, you sense that he's still in a natural state. He hasn't left whatever you would call his, his process or his natural state for stress and worry. He felt like this was just part of the routine, right? And that allowed him to be relaxed. That allowed him to be quiet. That allowed him to see the ball well, because let's face it, we know that once th- things start to amp up and there's more on the line and, and things technically are, so to speak, speed up, it gets a lot harder to slow things down, which is where you need to be anyway, which is, by the way, another reason why knowing your process so, is so important and meditating to me is so critical because these are other ways to practice slowing down and getting quiet and, and getting into a routine that's, that's knowable and comfortable. And so what he did is he was able to draw on something that kept him comfortable and grounded as opposed to getting more excited, more amped up, which to me, I don't know, maybe if you're an offense or defensive lineman, that works to your advantage. But um, I, I don't really know how that works to your advantage as a pitcher or hitter when you're kind of really more performing surgery. You know, I, I always joke, <laughs> you have a surgeon uh, working on, on your body, um, God forbid, but if you do, 
you, you want to make sure that he's calm and quiet and relaxed. You, you don't want him stressed out and tense, and tense, right? When he's cutting on part of your body. So <laughs> anyway, I, I, I think that that's a great pickup on your part, just noticing how he was in a simple state and he, and he wasn't amped up. And I think that uh, there'll be like some people maybe who li- will listen to this um, who are hitters and they'll they'll maybe they'll give him as an example and be like, I know that guy doesn't do any of that stuff. And you know what? Yeah, he may not do any of that stuff. Maybe he's just an outlier. You know, he's 20 years old. He's one of the best players in baseball. Maybe that works for him. But everyone's different like that doesn't mean maybe you know you do need to do this stuff and if you do do this it's going to take your game to a whole nother level so don't worry about what everyone else is doing you know it's just you got to get yourself in the best position to succeed and i think this stuff is is going to be golden kind of what you're saying before talking about guys in the minor leagues whether in single double a triple a rookie ball you know, they may be able to hit the ball 450 feet, but if they can't do it consistently, if they, there's other things that are missing, this could kind of help mold that and put it all together. Not only that, but I would say if someone is looking at Soto's at bat and just assuming that he's not doing it or whatever, um, I wouldn't assume anything when it comes to my career. Um, I want to I want to make sure I, I cover every aspect of my path and I don't want to leave anything to chance. And if and if I listen to a podcast or I listen to someone speak, and and especially and this is not an ego thing, but I, I have been doing this a really really long time, and I've had a chance to see a lot of things and and use that to, that experience to my advantage. But you know whether it's this podcast or, or somebody else saying something that sounds like it makes some sense, uh, I would look at it this way: um, it's your this is your shot at your career. Um, and just going going into it, you know the game is ninety percent mental or more. So um, I would hope that if people hear this, and, and look, the game is changing radically fast. Um, just in the last three to five years, that the mental game is, is is coming on strong. And I think the part that's not coming on as strongly, but it but will very quickly here is more of the meditation part. But the mental game is coming. And I'd almost say it this way: if you're not proactively seeking out the mental game and seeking out things to do for your mental game, I feel like you're getting way behind. And so in a way you can almost say it doesn't really matter what anybody else, what you think anybody else is doing or not. All that matters is, is that it's like a tweet I put out ironically yesterday, master yourself and your opponent no longer matters. So master yourself. You know, if you feel like being more relaxed or more clear minded or, being able to rely on your process better because you're aware of it helps you out. Work on it. That's all. And so I would keep it that simple. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's, this is great, great information. I think it's going to help out a ton of people just get clarity on, on what they need to, to really focus on and do. Um, I'm going to make sure I, I put the, the link up uh, to the article you wrote on my website as well. Is there anything else you think you, you can think of right now that could really just benefit um, hitters out there listening? Yeah, I think is another resource. I know on YouTube, I, I gave a talk on sort of the process and there's a guided meditation in there. And I think that would be very helpful for someone kind of new to the mental game, even though the article goes more into specific hitting stuff. But 
I just think as a general overview of the process and, and mental practice, um, just go to YouTube, keyword Jager Mental Talk. You'll find that. And then also on our, on our website, we have an article called Mental Practice Plans, which takes you through a 10-minute breathing exercise step-by-step. Step. So I think those are two other really nice resources. Um, but no, I'd say sort of maybe in, in final as a final point that just at the end of the day, um, this game is going to get more mental the higher up you go, so to speak. And it just doesn't make sense to get a black belt in hitting mechanics or pitching mechanics or physical preparation and, and not at least start working on your black belt toward the mental game. I mean, to me, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. If the game's 90% mental or more, why would we be spending 100% of our time on practice or whatever the number is? It, it just doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and I hope that that piece really resonates with people because uh, the game is getting more mental in a good way. I mean, it's getting more mental from the point of view of the mental game approach and strategies and, and mental practice is now really becoming part of the culture. And I think if nothing else, if, if I'm an athlete out there now and I'm coming up, it's almost one of those feelings like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to miss the boat here. Right. So um, look, whether it's this nutrition, just give yourself a chance to cover the, every part of your game. This happens to be the biggest part, <laughs> but start maybe investing your time into this part of the game. I think I would leave it on that note. Invest some time and energy into this part. You might be shocked at how much value it brings just by playing with it. Awesome. That, Alan, really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thanks again, Patrick, for having me on. And uh, um, It was good to spending time with you as well, and um, hopefully this uh, this was helpful.